You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Well, good afternoon to everyone listening. I'm glad you've joined me. I have to say that today has been a very interesting day. So interesting. So many happenings. It's just been incredible. And I think the news cycle has completely lost their mind. From peddling this Khashoggi manufactured uh, supposed uh, reason that we need to kill our uh, relationship with Saudi Arabia to Gina Haspel missing and everyone's losing their mind. Mueller being called out for what he is. A crook. A deep state tool. But today, I thought I'd start the show off uh, with a little, uh, I would say, recap of the triggering that we've seen uh, throughout our mainstream media. From the triggering that they've had because Donald Trump was right about uh, the migrants And uh, how triggered was Obama last night? Like watching him speak, you could just see that he was triggered with all the tweets our president sent out. He was very disrespectful. He needs to remember that Donald Trump is his president, too. Now, you can all follow me on Twitter at Tory underscore says. Or you can follow the page, Tor says, which which stands for the only reliable evidence. We have some really good stuff that are coming out. But here's what I want to discuss. So let me just play. Actually, there's two of them, right? So I'm going to play two specific videos for you guys. Or is it three? Oh, no, the third one's later. So they're pretty short. That way we could talk Gina Haspel because you're here because you want to know what's really going on. Well, Tori's going to tell you what's going on (laughs) because it's just beautiful. We have to remember what our president said. What was his most, you know, winning moment when he had those debates with Hillary Clinton? The... You're not winning and you can't get rid of ISIS because you're telling them your plan. It's all over your website. All of it. Remember that? That was awesome. But what's further more awesome to that is that Donald Trump had made one firm statement. America's enemies must never know our plans. Now, that enemy can be foreign or domestic, right? 
but they'll never know our plans. So let's uh, take a look. I'm going to play this again. I think I played it the other day where the stupidest questions uh, were being thrown at John Bolton. So I think we need to play this just to listen to it again. Because so it was... Let me take the question of the tape first. No, I haven't listened to it. And uh, I, I guess I should ask you... question why was, you have you listened to the tape? I'll learn from it. So basically, hey, Mr. Bolton, have you heard the tape yourself? Because, you know, he needs to listen to it with his ears. And he goes on to explain to them why he hasn't listened to it. Intelligence. Uh, how many in this room speak Arabic? So then the reporter who made that stupid question said, don't you have access to an interpreter? Why would I have access to an interpreter? Why would I need an interpreter? Could you imagine watching a movie in a language you don't speak and you've got someone sitting next to you telling you what's going on in the movie? Kind of annoying, kind of overlapping. You can't focus. So what do you do when you watch a movie that you don't understand. You usually read the subtitles. So basically what he did was he read the transcript that the interpreter wrote, but the media is like, but you didn't listen to it. That's the problem. You didn't listen to it with your ears to hear him screaming. Well, Gina Haspel did. She went to Turkey. And she listened to all the evidence. Remember, let's revisit this fake Khashoggi thing. So Khashoggi is not an American citizen, never had any permanent residency granted to him in the United States. So whenever he was in the United States, he was here like on a, you know, those temporary visas where you're a foreigner, you fly in because you're on vacation or doing something and you leave, right? So this guy is a freelance journalist that has written a couple of articles for the Washington Post. So he's not really a Washington Post reporter. So he's actually a commentator on a lot of um, matters in regards to Turkey and uh, Turkish-Qatari relations and the bad blood between Qatar and Saudi Arabia. So, you know, and Yemen, right? So he's like... He's like the guru for that. And he writes and speaks all over the... He used to write and speak all over the world. So he's just like any other journalist, right? Keep in mind, that's a freelance journalist with a niche and a specialty and considered an expert in one area. So why is it that we know him? Because there are thousands of independent journalists that have written stuff for Washington Post, HuffPo, you know, you name it, people are writing. Why is it that we know about him? Because there's tons of journalists right now that are Americans that are possibly sitting in some prison in another country while trying to put together a freelance report for, I don't know, the Huffington Post and they're arrested. No one cares about them. The Huffington Post isn't doing anything because bottom line was they were just writing a travel piece. So they're not really employees. So they're not going to really do much. So they need to deal with it. So we know about Khashoggi because the mainstream media wanted us to know about Khashoggi. And so this uh, fiance that Khashoggi's family themselves had no idea existed. 
manifested and created the scenario and the whole, you know, she, she did the whole setup where she's like, yeah, and he came and we were going to get married. And he came from where? He was in London before he came to you. He always lived in Turkey. There's no pictures of you except for one where you guys all happen to be at the same place at a festivity at some time in the summer. You portrayed a picture that you literally photoshopped yourself in saying that was a happy picture of you two together. So now the world is supposed to believe you are the fiance to this Saudi man who his family had no idea was going to marry or was with or anything. And you claim that he went into the Saudi embassy and never came out. And it just so happened at the time that he entered the Saudi embassy, there was no CCTV Turkish CCTV on the streets that is there to show him going in and coming out. Or wait, they actually said that they showed him going in, but then it, then, oh yeah, that's right. So it was, they showed him going in from Turkish CCTV, but never coming out. Um, but, you know, at the same time, they have no footage of anything coming out of the Saudi embassy. So they demanded the Saudis turn over all their uh, data and information uh, for the whole day to see who went in and out. So not only did they want, um, they wanted to see everything. So what if someone that was going into the Saudi embassy didn't want to know that they were there, that had nothing to do with Khashoggi, they'd have to turn that over. Anyway, so there's no video footage, right? Got it, guys? No video footage. The only footage we have is of an image of him entering uh, the embassy. And that's it. And then after that, we have audio that supposedly happened with his iWatch. Because the story there is sketchy. His iWatch that connected with the iPhone and it was saved. And it's like, well, hold on a second. In Europe, uh, iWatches don't have 4G capabilities. So that would mean that he'd have to be on the same Wi-Fi network or proximal to his phone. Doesn't sound right, does it? She's outside with his phone. He's inside with his iWatch, but it's recorded. But there's no 4G. It just seems really, really odd. So anyway, the Trump administration entertains this because, you know, it's not just the U.S. mainstream media flipping out about Khashoggi. It's the whole world demanding President Trump cut ties with Saudi Arabia. All of them. Because they knew from the beginning the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, was the one that did it. The crown prince did it. He ordered his execution. And now, from what Pompeo says, it was horrific. So, listening to the tapes were excruciating because the man was killed, tortured, or portrayed as killed, tortured. We don't know. Because there's so much, you know, obfuscation of what's really going on. Did they find a body? Where was it? Was it in a garbage can? Was it in a house? Was it in a car? Like, there's so much mystery, but so much outrage too, right? So anyway, we have Gina Haspel that went to Turkey to listen to the audio that the Turkish intelligence provided them that allegedly points the finger at the Saudi crown prince. 
Okay. Well, so today there was a Senate briefing. Went well. Let's just hear what Mike Pompeo has to say about that quickly. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, Secretary Madison, myself, just had the opportunity to brief uh, all the senators who uh, wanted to hear from us. We talked about U.S. policy in Yemen and U.S. policy with respect to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, we also, obviously, uh, spoke about the heinous murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, and we made clear uh, that they're considering debating a resolution on the Senate floor, which we think is just poorly timed. Uh, we are on the cusp of allowing the U.S. envoy Martin Griffiths to, in December, uh, gather the parties together and hopefully get a ceasefire. In Yemen, something that we have diplomatically been striving for for months, and we think we're right on the cusp of that. And so it is the view of the administration, Secretary Mattis and myself, uh, that passing a resolution at this point undermines that. It would encourage the Houthis. It would encourage the Iranians. It would, it would undermine the fragile agreement for everyone to go to uh, Sweden and have this discussion. So uh, pay attention. So he says it's unfortunate timing that we're passing this. And if we don't, you know, get it done, then we're going to have an issue because it's going to encourage, you know, more uprisings. It's going to encourage Iran. You know, it's basically not in American interests for that to occur. Right. That's basically what he's saying. So. The Senate was very unhappy that General Mattis and Secretary Pompeo turned up to brief them in a classified setting. They wanted to know why Gina Haspel wasn't there. So all of them that decided, you know, to sit there, they put in a motion to discharge the SJ Resolution 54. Obviously, all the Democrats and independents were in favor. And pay attention to the names that I will call now. In favor of this was Alexander Cassidy Collins Corker, Danes Flake Graham, Lee Moran Murkowski, Paul Portman, Toomey, and Young. So those were our GOP guys that sided with the Democrats. Pay attention to those that voted with the Democrats, the ones that are screaming and asking, where is Gina Haspel? Where is she? That's what they're asking. And the press asked uh, Pompeo the same thing. And here's how he responded. So we hope uh, that they'll consider that, be thoughtful in how they proceed, and we're happy to give them further information if they I should so choose. Secretary Pompeo. Why wasn't the current CIA director here briefing senators as well? Uh, I was asked to be here, and here I am. But senators were very frustrated. Normally, in your past role as CIA director, you would be here briefing these senators on an issue this sensitive. Why isn't the CIA director herself here? I was asked to be here. And I'm here. You've seen all the intelligence, presumably. Do you believe that the conference of Saudi Arabia ordered Jamal Khashoggi's killing? I do believe. I've read every piece of intelligence, unless it's come in in the.
All right. So they were asking why. And his response is, I was asked to be here and I'm here. He did not say anything else. So remember, every report you're hearing, oh, he told us that the White House, you know, you know, forbade her to come or barred her from coming or she wasn't allowed to come in and brief us. Didn't come from the Secretary of State. Didn't come from Mattis. But, you know, it came from the senators who were in a classified setting and are out now on Twitter and on all the talking heads, you know, crying about it. Okay? They are all crying about it. Demanding to find out where Gina Haspel is and why isn't she here and why isn't she talking to us? You know, if you could watch that video, you'd see that we have Heather, you know, right flanking Pompeo and they're both kind of smiling when they're asked that. Now, here is where you're going to listen to what this debriefing told the senators, okay? So we've got your general, General Mattis, and Secretary Pompeo standing in a room in a classified setting with the senators, and he told them these were the findings. Listen carefully. The last few hours, I think I've read it all. There is no direct reporting connecting the Crown Prince to the order to murder Jamal Khashoggi. Okay, did you hear that? There is no direct reporting connecting the crown prince to the order of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. That is all I can say in an unclassified setting. So basically, General Mattis and Secretary of State Pompeo went to the senators and said, there's nothing that says that the crown prince did this or that he ordered it. So why aren't they satisfied listening from him? Why aren't they happy enough to hear it from him or General Mattis? Because, you know, when you testify in front of people or you give a debriefing to your own people, the Senate or the House, you can't lie. That's a punishable offense. So why is it that they need Gina Haspel to come Why is it that they need to see her? Who's asking? Who is asking where Gina Haspel is? That's all you need to know. This is how you smoke out the enemies of the state because they are losing their minds. They need to see Gina. Was Gina their source? Does she work with them? Is she, you know, Indeed, Trump's confidant and best director of the CIA? Who knows? President Trump will tell us. But for now, she's missing in action after she had full access to these tapes to get them transcribed that were probably double, triple, and quadruple checked. So every single person you see out there demanding for the White House to manifest Gina Haspel, the head honcho of the CIA, the person that is the spook of the spooks, but demanding for her to rear her head somewhere, that's who your enemy is. I don't care how great some speeches they had every now and then. It's kind of like I'm circling back to my comments about Trey Gowdy. The worst poker He's not a poker, well, poker face, yes. Poker speaker, (laughs) he's horrible. This is how you know who the enemies of the people are. This is how you know who the people 
that do not have America first interests are. It's from what they do and say when push comes to shove. Because if you were completely on board with the president's agenda, you would know and understand that indeed, if General Mattis and Secretary Pompeo come and brief you, you'd be getting the same briefing from Gina Haspel. The fact that you're demanding for her to come means that you want to know what the administration is doing in a highly classified and I would say clandestine way, which is none of your business because obviously you guys leak and there's no way he would tell you because President Trump made it clear America's enemies must never know our plans. So that is what is going on today. Today we see who here in our country currently in an elected seat does not have America's interests first. The fact that these clowns have clearances and understand the clandestine community. They understand how the intelligence community operates. To sit there on a global platform and actually let the world know that they have no idea what the CIA is doing or what the president is doing is sending off alarm bells around the planet. This is what drives Chinese hackers, Russian hackers, Icelandic hackers, French hackers, whatever hackers, domestic hackers. The fact that they all need to know, like right now, where is she? I'm hoping all of you take this simple demonstration to understand just how far embedded these anti-American personas lie within us. They are the government within the government. In the second half, myself and a colleague of mine, Haley Kennington, have been working really, really hard. We got some really juicy information in regards to Mueller. Because like President Trump said, all you need to know is look at their past. All of them. And you'll be able to see exactly what's going on because the past proves the future. Because we already have everything we need. If people actually did their homework, they would realize just how much information they have how armed they are, but yet people decide to get spoon fed. You know, today I was talking with someone and I was like, well, you know, Mueller had, you know, uh, the inspector general of the justice department, uh, dig into him. He was like held a, like, he's a bad man. Like I keep saying it because he questioned me making that statement on, on, on air. And I was thinking, you have no idea. This guy's like the worst dirty Harry there is. And it feels like it's Comey, Mueller, 
uh, Mueller, Comey, Comey and Mueller. It's kind of like they've been around for almost 20 years hanging out together, running the show. Yes, they have. And we'll get into that after the break. <laughs> um, just one thing so you guys need to understand this is when you watch the news today in regards to Khashoggi, I want you in the back of your mind to think, why is the mainstream media advocating on how our president should run or how our president's foreign policy should be? Because yesterday Obama did a little bit of that too. He said, we are a global leader. We underwrite what goes on throughout the world they rely on us to find solutions to problems why obama why who made us the referee of the whole world who said that we dictate how the rest of the world operates i didn't vote for that i'm voting for what's best for my country not for what's best for the other country you know, speaking of other countries that judge ours, how's France doing with that martial law? The European Union right now, two of its countries are under martial law. How's that for open borders? And what, what did you call it? Social solidarity. Doesn't sound really pretty, right? Martial law in the European Union that criticizes how our country is run. I'll see you guys in just a bit. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 
So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for MyPillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Okay, and before I get into the analysis of Mueller and give you some really good intel, uh, because we've been working on this piece for a long time, we've got some great sources, former intelligence community uh, persons, and maybe not former, but we don't give up sources, uh, that have contributed to this. Um, But before I get into that, I wanted you guys to listen to Heather Nort. Um, yesterday when she was um, giving her presser. And specifically, I want you to listen to what she has to say about Turkey and the uh, pipelines. Because I've been talking about this and no one's been kind of grasping it. Yesterday, uh, we put out a piece calling, uh, you know, telling people that war is brewing and troops have been deployed. And I think I'll, I'll I'll start with that before I give you some really good, you know, exciting insider uh, views on Mueller, the Obama administration, and then some. So let's listen to what she says here. Now, one of the things I think you'll be seeing in the days and weeks ahead are are additional conversations that the U.S. government is having with our European allies. And one of the things that we would like to see take place is our European allies doing more to assist Ukraine. The United States government has taken a very strong position in their support, uh, in support of Ukraine. We would like other countries to do uh, more as well. That is something that's enshrined in our national security strategy, encouraging other countries to help one another around the world so that the United States isn't completely, I don't want to say shouldering the burden, but so the United States isn't handling yeah, these she, issues chiefly alone. She could say you that. may ask, what can European governments do? Uh, many governments have uh, imposed sanctions on Russia for its actions in Crimea, in Ukraine. Not all of those sanctions, uh, as I have been told and our experts have explained to me, have been uh, fully enforced. So that is one thing that we can look for European countries to do more when we talk Okay, just remember, she said not all of those sanctions have been fully enforced, right? Okay, just continue here. Listen to this. About uh, doing more. Also, uh, something we've talked about a fair amount, but perhaps not enough, is Nord Stream 2. Uh, Nord Stream 2 is... uh, snaking through many of these countries, and I think that's a question European countries have to ask themselves. Is Nord Stream 2 something that they want to continue with because it 
helps uh, the Russian government? And is that the kind of uh, support that they want to provide uh, the Russian government with continuing to back Nord Stream 2 at this time? Okay, so Nord Stream 2. So there's an article on ToriSays.com, and if it doesn't come up on the front, you can just look War Brewing um, is the title of it, Troops Deployed. So basically there you will also find um, an article looped in about Turkey drowning in EU oil and gas, and will they burn? Uh, Remember, I have been telling everyone that Turkey is one of the most geostrategic places um, in order to have a core hub of oil pipe networks because by having this hub of networks you have access to Africa the Middle East Europe and Asia at once they hold the keys to oil and gas distribution at the European to the European Union now for some reason the Turkish government think they have um, like they have a deal with Europe like Europe's like yeah we're friends we're totally friends you know you do this and we'll help build up your economy and Russia overestimated themselves too and I'll tell you why so the European Union has slowly devoured every single country on the European continent it even successfully devoured the Ukraine Now, the Ukraine is very rich in natural gas, but the Ukraine right now economically is like flat, like they're at negative whatever. They own nothing. The European Union, Germans and French, own their natural gas. The country is in a state of economic emergency. And as you'll see from my article, they even have their own Antifa type. And those Antifa promote pro-Europe, pro-Europe, anti-Russia, anti-Russia, because we have to remember that the mainstream media hasn't just decided now to push propaganda. It's been happening for a while. Right. So what we've known about other countries uh, for decades now has been propaganda that was actually legal. Um, You know, it's only recently in the past six years that domestic distribution of propaganda has been legalized by the Obama administration. So pay attention. Why is... Europe funding Turkey and spending all this money to create these pipelines that are literally pulling oil from Russia because they're not only pulling oil from Russia, right? They're getting oil from Iran where they're not enforcing complete sanctions on You know, a lot of people will say, whatever, you know, Crimea was annexed. It was taken over by Russia. Actually, guys, the Crimeans voted. They said, no, we don't want to be part of the Ukraine because the Ukraine is selling itself to the European Union. That's fact. I mean, a lot of people will be like, well, Trump says this. That's not okay. People are going with the going narratives. You're not going to go against the grain that hard, right? Uh, You know, when you listen to me, you listen to my opinion. Okay, so even though I know this is fact, I will say that it is opinion. So that way I appease anyone listening. But the bottom line is Turkey, like I told you, is the kid that nobody wants to play with. They've been disowned by the Arabs. They're not part of Europe because they're too Middle Eastern for the Europeans, right? And they are majority Muslim, which doesn't, um, uh, as we can see from all the migrants that have come up there, kind of doesn't work with their culture. 
And then we have the Russians, right? And the Russians really, really overestimated themselves because yes, they're winning because at the G20 summit, when the European countries are forced to, to enforce full sanctions on Iran, because, you know, yesterday we got news that Argentina, Brazil, like South America have captured Hezbollah and Hamas terror cells in South America. You know, all those nice immigrants that are coming from South America. They're all just South American. None of them may be Iranian terror cells, even though the South Americans and Central Americans are capturing them every day. But let's not talk about that, right? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. So everyone's on board on sanctioning Iran. Well, South America is, Europe's not. So they'll be forced to force, um, enforce sanctions on Iran, which means they can no longer receive oil and gas from Iran. So the contract they have with Turkey paying them money for oil and gas that's transported from Iran immediately is on hold because of sanctions. Now, when these pipelines that she was discussing were created, the Ukraine um, was not part of the European Union. So it was not really factored into their contractual agreements. So when Russia, Turkey, and the European Union sat down and talked about funding these pipelines, Russia was like, yeah, I'll pay to get this, to get Turkstream up. I'm going to be selling my oil to you. I'll pay. So Remember, Russia has invested a lot of money into creating these pipelines, which, of course, the European Union, well, actually, the World Bank, on behalf of the European Union, has funded these pipelines. And Turkey has dumped in a bunch of cash that they borrowed from the European Union, which, if they default on, will, you know, that country will now be owned by the European Union, too, to fund these pipelines. Now, remember, with the um, these uh, pipelines opened, the GDP of the Ukraine will go down by at least 3% from one pipeline and about 1.5% from another. That's income. That's growth <laughs> that the Ukraine cannot afford to lose. Now, the only way the European Union can put a contract, a purchasing agreement between themselves and um, Turkey uh, in regards to purchasing oil and gas is by having conflict with Russia. But Germany can't be conflicted with Russia. I mean, they can, but there was no real reason. Up until Sunday, when the Ukrainian boats went into the strait that they always do because they share it, and you know how, how rules work, right? In the Navy, I was Navy, so but they're pretty simple, and I'll break it down. If you enter waters that are shared, international waters, right, that are shared, you kind of, you know, say, hey, I'm boat number one, and I'm carrying corn, and I left this port, and I'm heading over here, see ya, 10-4, whatever, and I'm out. Um, that's what they do at the strait. So let's picture this. Say a boat was going through whatever in Virginia, just turned up in our waters, 
and just decided it was going to go and never called in, never said, hey, I'm right here. I'm coming in from XYZ and I'm carrying so-and-so. I'm commercial, blah, blah, blah. What do you think our Navy and Coast Guard would do? Would they be like, oh, it's okay, buddy, no worries? They would seize that ship. They would arrest every single person and say, why didn't you call it in? What's up? Why are you being so evasive? Kind of like airplanes. Let's try to have an aircraft in the air for more than a minute without being identified. I think our country would shoot it down. But on Sunday, three Ukrainian ships cross the strait, you know, this narrow place, which they actually, for insurance purposes, have to state to because it's so shallow. And for insurance reasons, you know, if there's something wrong with the boat or whatever, they have to state cargo, destination, blah, 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 blah. They didn't say anything. So they just got in the waters. And what did Russia do immediately? Whoop, I'm on alert. We don't know who's in the water. And we're sharing these waters. And we don't know who they are. And they didn't identify themselves. So then what do they do? They surround the ships and capture them because they failed to identify themselves. So now they're at war. You get it? This is how wars are started with stupid things like this. And, you know, they're like, Russia needs to hand over the boats. Yeah, let's finish our investigation. Because let me ask you, if three boats turned up into the Gulf of Mexico and we didn't know who was driving it, where it was coming from and what cargo, I don't care if you came up to the boat and you knew within five feet, you know, it came from, I don't know, Texas or whatever. The fact is they didn't state it. So you tell me in our country, if three boats turned up in the Gulf of Mexico without identifying themselves, would we? seize them? Yes. Would we arrest every person and interrogate them? Yes. Would we investigate every single inch of their boats for what they were carrying in cargo? Yes. So I don't see why Russia is the enemy here. But you know what this caused? This allowed the Ukraine to instill martial law. This also allowed the Ukraine to get troops to come in from England. You know, and ironically, so coincidentally, like four days earlier, the secretary, uh, the secretary of defense in England, Gavin, he came out and said that he was going to be sending his Marines and um, down to the Ukraine to train them, you know, British troops. Well, you know, this event happened on Sunday. So by Monday, we had heavy artillery and missile guidance systems coming in from England and landing on the shores of the Ukraine. That's pretty fast. That's a that's a quick turnaround. What were they like around the corner? So 48 hours after, you know, all this, this debacle happened where the Ukrainian ships literally didn't state who they were and just walked in. And didn't declare what they had or what they were doing. So they were captured just like it would happen on every other shore on this planet. The British suddenly have ships landing on the shores. So that meant they were around the corner because, you know, geography says that they, I don't care. Even if it was a speedboat, they would not get there within 48 hours from England. So you would assume they were on the ready. Or else maybe Suda, you know, lent out their own. I don't know. But even from Suda, it would take, you know, yeah, it would take two days. So that would make sense. So what do we have here? War is literally brewing. Now, will they go to war? I don't know. 
I really don't know. But what I can tell you that they've successfully done is because the Ukraine is in conflict now with Russia, Germany no longer is obliged to purchase Russian oil and gas. Credible, right? See how that stuff works? Because the Ukraine is part of the EU and Germany is part of the EU. So, you know, and let's just say I, I wanted to give you this tidbit. So um, Petro Poroshenko, who is the president of the Ukraine, was really, really concerned a couple months ago that this January he was having elections. Because the Ukrainian nationalists, the ones that are anti-European, you know, the ones that are paying taxes, losing their homes because Germany owns them now. Yeah, those people said that they were putting together a citizen jury to arrest him for selling his country, for what he has done, for embezzling money, for putting the Ukraine in the debt that they're in now. And you know what they call them? Um Philo Russians. So basically, those are the Ukrainians that likes the that like the Russians. That's why yesterday, we the day before yesterday, we saw an outbreak. All Russian embassies were bombed. You know, fire was being thrown at Molotov. They were trying to light cars on fire and throw them into the consulates in Ukraine. You know, at at both big cities. They were trying to destroy the embassies and saying yes to Europe, no to Russia. And it's kind of like, whoa, kind of reminds me of the stuff we see here. That's their Antifa. So they've got people that are being paid to rally up the people of the Ukraine to be pro-Europe because all of this is happening because of big bad Russia, not because the European Union owns us now and we are no longer sovereign. So the energy is a big factor, and I've said this again and again and again. Energy is the source of all control. We are in an era where we rely on oil and gas to go forward. You won't be able to turn on the lights in an office building, let alone the White House, without oil and gas. President Trump has in, you know, constantly said it is really important that we are energy dependent. Really independent, not dependent, independent. He wants to boost our oil production, drop money into creating energy solutions, because at some point that fossil fuel is going to go away. We're going to get, it's going to be gone. Put money into renewable energy. This is what he's focused on because that is the driver. This is what makes the world go round. You have oil, you have gas, you are God. So I think I've run out. <laughs> um, I still want to talk about this, uh, so I'm not going to talk about Mueller today, and I promise that I will not publish the piece today. I will publish it tomorrow, so that way my listeners get first dibs on that. So continuing on with Russia, because I didn't, and someone just messaged me, well, how is Russia overestimating themselves? Well, Russia assumed, and this is why Russia was okay with the Clinton administration, Russia assumed that they were in a great position because they were supplying the majority of oil to the European Union, 70%, right, of their energy needs are fulfilled by the Russians. What they did not, um, what they thought is, you know, we're a nuclear power, we're strong, we're this, they're all discombobulated, you know, look at all these refugees, they won't be able to do anything. But remember, they control Turkey, which are the keys on, off, on, off, right? 
Turkey is going to be destroyed. You know, in five years from now, whoever's listening today will be like, that Tory said it. And, you know, so far I haven't been off mark. I have some crystal ball or something. But Turkey, within the next five years, will be gone. I mean, it was a, you know, a mashup of just different countries that they, like, you know, created. There was never really a Turkey Turkey. There was Armenia, Greece, and Kurdistan, which never really had borders because they were, you know, nomadic Ottomans, Persian uh, nomads. Um, But that's how it's going to be. They're going to be gone. And it's all going to be because Russia's going to realize that they got the short end of the stick. Because the minute the European Union makes the move to claim their property in Turkey because they'll default, you know, if they're not buying oil and gas from them coming in from Iran and they're not buying the quantity they should from them, you know, as an intermediary coming in from Russia because they're in conflict, then Turkey will starve and Turkey will default. What happened to Greece when they defaulted? What happened to Germany? What happened to the Ukraine? Because nobody ever heard about the Ukraine defaulting, yet they don't own any natural gas anymore. They don't. It's Germany's. Which Germany will now be reaping, of course, because they're in conflict, right? Indirect. But, you know, the European Union is in conflict with Russia. So we're just going to use our own resources. And we have to put our contract on pause, Turkey, okay? Because we're in conflict. I don't know what to do. That's exactly what's going on right now. And our administration is kind of telling us, hey, guys, pay attention. This is going on. And, you know, it couldn't be a better time, right? Because... Later on this week, President Trump is meeting with who? He's meeting with Putin in Buenos Aires. And so they're going to talk. So now we're going to see a recycling of Russia, 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 Russia. Demanding our president sanction Russia. Demanding our president sever any ties with Russia. Demand, 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 demand. Russia, 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 Russia. Because Russia was never part of the plan. Russia they thought had invested so much money in these pipelines, they would sit tight and shut up. Um, I was talking with someone this morning and I told them, you know what people don't realize is how location is very important. Geographical location is very important. Hitler, when he started to take over Europe, which was very easy for him, you know, big countries and cities surrendered within like days. And then he gets to Greece, which have sticks and stones. And he tells Mussolini, just give the Greeks a call. I don't want to invade them or anything. They're good people. I just want to pass. I want to get to Libya and Turkey and Syria, Lebanon. You know, I want to get over there. Because strategically, that's perfect. So Mussolini calls up the Greeks. And a lot of people don't know this, but there's actually a national holiday called Ohide. Greeks are really proud about it because we were like, we said no, and we helped win World War II. And it's like, yeah, you said no. You stopped the war. You were the reason, you know, the Germans froze their butts because they had to come down and save Mussolini, who was getting his butt kicked by the Greeks with sticks and stones. But you sold your country out doing it. You should have just said, you know what? I don't want to play Hitler. So if you're going to have to come through here, you're going to have to take us over because we're not going to play. But here's what happened. The Greeks fought them off. They kept the the Nazis at bay. 
Because the Nazis, what they wanted to do was get into the Mediterranean. Because if they got that position where Turkey is, where Syria is, where the oil is, the world, that's it. It would have been over. So I don't think people understand just how important positioning yourself geographically is. One of the most strategic bases on this planet that NATO has is the one in Suda Bay. They can access Asia, Middle East, Africa, and, you know, Southern Europe within days, within a day. They can go there. That's why I said the British troops must have come from Suda to be there within 48 hours. So remember, nothing chance, but pay attention to what they're saying and what they want you to know, because what they want you to know is what they're trying to hide behind it. So this week will be super explosive. I am being told that someone's getting fired. And, you know, I I was thinking that it was going to get announced today. But probably it's going to get announced on Friday. I don't know. But I know someone's getting fired. And I know everybody can feel it. The change is in the air. Where's Gina Haspel? Everyone's panicking. Everyone's asking about the Ukraine and what we're going to do and are we going to sanction Russia? I told you yesterday I said this. They are going to start to ramp that up like nobody's business. But tomorrow, I promise, unless someone gets fired tomorrow, unless we have some developments, we'll talk about Mueller. Two weeks ago, we talked about how President Trump can drain the swamp with just one investigation, with just one indictment, and that's on the Clinton Foundation. Clinton Foundation gives you access to everything. Everything. So we'll see which way we're going to take it. But for now, watch the video on YouTube where Pompeo gives the conference after he um, briefs the, the Senate. When they ask him, where's Gina Haspel? Why did you come? And he smiles, and it's the best smile you'll see. Well, I'm here because I was asked to be here, so I came here. And you should see the smile when he repeated the same. Until tomorrow, stay safe, healthy, And remember, we actually have a president we can trust because unlike president, former president Barack Obama, it's America first interest. We're not the world's referee anymore. We're ours and we're looking after us. Good night, everyone.